Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hello and welcome to the WWE Smackdown Review. I'm Michael Hanford from What Culture and I'm joined by Michael Sidgwick from What Culture to discuss everything that happened on Friday's show. But first, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We're not only previewing the review Smackdown, but also Raw, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! oh. Dynamite, Collision, pay-per-views, premium live events. We also have wrestler interviews, have roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. Sige, Smackdown, maybe your last one of these for a while. I know you'll be gutted, but uh, give us your short-form thoughts before we dive into another packed week on Dablu brand. I have so few, yeah. so few actual thoughts. A lot of mediocre professional wrestling happened on this show. Um, some polarizing character development just befuddled me, so I'm going to try and wade through it and talk about it and see if I can arrive at an answer through the process of talking about it. The show happened to not be very good. Mm. I don't disagree. I think SmackDown, um, despite my constant claims, that I believe is supported sometimes by the TV project, that fed good, actually. I feel like we've seen the least evidence for that on the SmackDown shows. It is weird to me, in a negotiation year, when there are various whispers coming out from authorities far greater than us about Fox potentially no longer being the home of SmackDown, that we might have entered the WWE, right, tank the brand again. Like, if, if you're not going to give us the deal, we'll start tanking it. Yeah. Right, as they're about to, like, move on to a new network. You remember Vince in 2005 going out on the last week of Spike? I mean, like, yeah, yeah, thanks, Spike. Anyway, we're buzzing for USA Network next week. Yeah, the power Having a battle with his own censorship. Yeah, power's back next week. Next week, it's back. It's weird how, for about two years, we were f- retrained that Raw is no longer the flagship. It's, it's SmackDown, SmackDown, SmackDown. And everything has suddenly shifted back. Yeah. And I guess this, it's like feeling transparent at this point. Um, perhaps best illustrated by what I felt was like, I don't know, like a really, this was quite an empty two hours. Like long match times were leaned on, recap videos. We started, well, you know, go into this because we start with a long recap of payback and then a long opening tag match about nothing. Oh my God, Charlotte what happened Flair, here? Charlotte Flair and Shotzi against Damage Guitar. We talked at length, and I would recommend people go back to listen to uh, the preview about what Charlotte Flair is as a television character. We also touched upon it on a rare Dadly News, which you can find on our YouTube channel or indeed on this podcast feed. But um, there was evidence of this because Charlotte Flair is no longer a television wrestler, and this was barely a television wrestling match. Like, we talk about match times when I believe they're relevant, and I think they are here because this tickled 10 minutes when almost nothing happened I, I for could not of them. fathom how it, you know I had that weird dissonance in my yeah. head it's like my 
Devar, stop paying attention or something. What's going on here? Why is not going on, right? Yeah. And there's like, there's so little detail in the body of the match. There's so little density. And I feel no great um, joy saying that when like someone like a Bailey or an Eosky or a Charlotte Flair of old and a game Shotzi. You know, four people are all theoretically should bring something to the table, bring it absolutely nothing because really the attention is on Dakota Kai who is stationed ringside holding uh, Eosky's Women's World title for the benefit of an angle where Asuka appears as if from nowhere in the crowd to steal that belt to provide a distraction. At that point, Charlotte Flair... You know, and this was where they tried to make something from the nothing, I suppose. During the distraction of Asuka stealing the belt at ringside from Dakota Kai, we have Charlotte Flair taking out Bailey uh, with a big boot and then tagging in Shotzi um, before getting rid of Eo Sky and allowing Shotzi to pin Bailey with a finisher, uh, never wake up, I think it is, to get what is ostensibly a big victory for Shotzi. But again, it's obscured in that way that WWE tries to achieve multiple things with a finish and instead achieves none. So they've tried to get over here the fact that Shotzi's got a victory over Bailey, which should matter in terms of where they are in the pecking order. Yeah, but Bailey's star aura's evaporated. Bailey's doing too many jobs, so that's not happening. As a heel, which is no longer a character that resonates. In the meantime, you're kind of instructed to pay more attention to the fact that Asuka's got the belt. She takes it into the ring to get into Eosky's face, which later on, we might as well jump ahead to now, sets up a promo with Damage Kataral where Bailey completely blames Asuka for the loss. Eosky is raging, challenges Asuka, Asuka accepts. We've got a title match in two weeks, which should be great bit of business, but how much in the last month alone with AEW have we talked about how good matches are not built? Oh, God, I know. This was not a good match or good build. Well, I watched the vast majority of the SmackDown on Saturday and through uh, scheduling, we've only got around to reviewing it on Monday afternoon, and I'm glad that you said that nothing happened because I can remember <laughs> literally nothing from it, hardly apart from the odd things I'll, uh, I'll mention here. And again, it's just so forgettable, just their action. And the finish was the finish. Sets up something better. I feel like that's what episodic wrestling TV now is most of the time. It's setting up something better. It's not just this great, captivating thing in and of itself. It just exists to set up something better. It's not enough, that. No, of course it isn't. But I'm used to this. I've been covering WWE professionally for seven years at this point. (laughs) Um, So, if you haven't seen this, and I don't think all of you listening would have, I do believe there are enough of you out there to make this point that just keep up with it through us. Hmm. Obviously, it's going to be skewed. We watch so you don't have to. Yes, yeah. indeed. So if you if you didn't watch this, I'm going to try and describe Charlotte Flair's chop action to <laughs> you, right? You know how John Cena, some people claim he's an all-time great, and yet I don't think he gets wrestling personally. Right. It's meant to hurt, and you're meant to you know, suspend the audience's disbelief. And, you know, he never cinched in the um, STF. No. And he he had this absolutely bizarre rationale for spot calling, right? Where he said, look, I'm the man of the people. I'm John Cena. I want to entertain everyone, whether you're in the front row or the back row. And the people in the back need to hear my instructions. <laughs> Do you remember that weird quote? So I, odd. I'll never be able to parse it properly. I've read it so many times thinking, he must be misquoted. He must mean yes. my shoulder block must look as broad and big as possible. So that's so why he looks it. a bit goonish. Right? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rosehead needs to pick up the visual clue if you're in like a stadium or something. Yeah. And it wasn't. It was he's, about his loud voice. He's talking about his loud voice because I make sure I'm loud enough so everyone in the back row can hear it. 
So what he's basically saying is, I want to ruin everyone's fun. <laughs> Not just the people in the front row. I want everyone to hear me very obviously call this predetermined wrestling match. Like, what that is wrestler brain defined to me. Anyway, so... Now I know Cena's going to go to three shoulder blocks and the five knuckle shuffle. Yes. I wouldn't have spotted that otherwise. Yeah. Charlotte Flair's chop action here was very... Animated is a euphemism, I guess. She went to chop Bailey. Mm-hmm. It went chop bear, <laughs> chop bear. So basically, she chops, but then she does this absolutely wacky, thoroughly extraneous movement with her arm, so that everyone can see her chopping without actually doing anything or it's, making it loud. As a visual description, I would compare it to Chandler Bing's impression of a whip. Yeah, whoopa. Yeah. So she just go. Chapa! Chapa! So people can see her arm flailing about <laughs> so that the people in these inexplicably packed major arenas can squint. You go, oh, that's my Charlotte chopping away. <laughs> <laughs> like I do as a lumberjack. <laughs> yes. Go, ah. That's weird. And I'll tell you what, like, I don't like punching down slash burying wrestlers who seem like they're not the worst people in the world. Mm-hmm. Chelsea Blackheart has proven, particularly over the last few months, that she really isn't that. The DDT looks so whack. Yeah. It's, it was the finish as well. It just looks like... It looks like one of those moves that simultaneously looks like it does not hurt, and I would not want to take it either. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It looks like she's got very little control over what she's doing. Wrestling is dangerous, but you're not supposed to be reminded of the reality of that compared to the fiction of it. And it, I'd want to take it and not at the same time. Yeah. It's very a very awkward DDT that I winced and laughed at. It's a, a bad, mediocre, nothing opening match. Kind of sounded in your Charlotte Flair comments there that you were sick of bad acting. So good news for you, because we're going to Paul Heyman next. Oh, my God, I hate Paul Heyman's acting. He's, uh, in Let's the slaughter a sacred cow on this podcast. Yeah, by all means. He's, uh, Can't he's do on, it on Twitter. He's on the phone. Low life having losers will just quote tweet you into oblivion. <laughs> it's a, it's a um, sanctuary. Well, you know, and we're only at the bottom of the third when it comes to ranting about Paul Heyman on this yes. show alone. There's months left of this. It's going to be a while before Cody finishes the story. Um, yeah, he's on the phone, as he always is. But Jimmy Uso's here. Wacky. Like, puppy dog suddenly, Jimmy Uso. Um, he's in the bloodline because nobody said he was out. He did. But anyway, uh, Paul Heyman. Uh, with he was the one to kick Roman Reigns in the face. Yeah. At uh, this was, Super Showdown? Yeah, this was Super Showdown, yeah. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was multiple times when basically the, the very existence of the bloodline Jimmy so made it clear to his brother and then to the fans after he turned his brother that the very essence of the bloodline is what was wrong with the Roman Reigns and why he had to turn on Jay Uso. Because he didn't want... So basically, nobody's bitch. Yep. Jimmy Uso, who, lest we forget, just kind of joined in the no, first place. Yeah, they dropped the... Um, he was previously, like, really upset that Jay was being cowtoed by Roman. And they dropped it and he became a running buddy. He just joined... 2021, this was. Yeah, he just joined the bloodline. The prior Nadir of the bloodline story, I would say. As opposed to this one. Yeah. we got... Well, there's two Nadirs now. Yeah. Uh... Aye. Bit of exposition from Heyman, but I quite like this. I'm going to praise some of this later on. Mentions that Solo isn't around, Roman's not around, um, and he doesn't have the authority to allow Jimmy back into the bloodline. 
you know, that's that's a Roman Reigns call. Um, and if like you recall the last time they were in the ring together, Roman said, look, you can have a jet, you can have whatever you want, thanks for helping me at SummerSlam, and Jimmy said, no, that wasn't what it was about. Um, but it is now. Apparently it is now, yeah, this is the thing. Like, they're doing that thing where they're trying to lay out the continuity errors or plot holes. Like hanging a lantern on it. Yeah, to try and make sense of the character. But I, th- I think instead, general consensus I got was that people are more confused than ever. I, I saw a lot of people who are just uh, uh, completely baffled at this point. Yeah, not in bad faith either. Like yeah. People want to make sense of this storyline as it continues. Because Put it this way, it's a WWE storyline. It should not be complicated. Yeah, and there is a clear end. When they do something where you're scratching your head, it's not because there's some cool, intriguing mystery. It's because they've lost sight of something. Absolutely. They're never one step ahead of us. No, and I and as I said on the previous Friday, I- that, yeah. that can be fun. They have ideas that we necessarily don't know about and turn out to be good where we are cynical, but they're not like, they're not really the keep you guessing. No. You can usually see where it's going in the, in the simplicity and the success in is you want to see it. Yeah. You knew Jay Uso was going to turn at some point mm-hmm. on Sammy, but it was when. Yeah. I don't know. I cannot make head nor tail of this. Um, aye. So there's the AJ Styles match tonight, obviously, with uh, with Jimmy Uso. Obviously. Following the stuff with the OC the prior week, uh, Heyman suggests that he should just concentrate on that instead. Um, and, and they do that corridor thing that we talked about where, like, they're um, inches separated from one another, but Heyman walks off and then AJ suddenly gets Paul Heyman by the scruff of the neck and, I guess, having no peripheral vision whatsoever which you would think, considering that he thinks the earth is flat, he should be looking in straight lines all day. Yes. Does not see Jimmy no. Uso, who returns from a conversation that took place mere seconds ago down the same corridor and uh, makes makes a save for Paul Heyman, basically. Uh, Heyman's all rattled and flustered after AJ walks off, like, you know, and promises to give Roman Reigns a call, implication being that maybe you'll tell him about this save because... Yeah. Yeah, again, we can assume that Roman Reigns does not watch these SmackDowns when he's nowhere near. Yes, he just relies on Paul Heyman's... Do you Paul want Heyman more? is the Dadly Boys podcast. Yeah. <laughs> T. Roman Reigns. Do you want any more on this now, or should we pick this back up later? No, I'll, I'll talk now. I'll talk okay. now. I'll probably get tired by the time we get to it. <laughs> uh, I've had a drink yesterday. One more time. Let's go through the events. 2021, nobody's bitch Jimmy Uso returns yeah. from injury. Mm-hmm. Says, I'm nobody's bitch. In fact, he says, I ain't no bitch, Roman like my brother, Jay. Oh, they're brothers. I'd forgotten about yeah, that. Yeah, remember this. I was I was watching them, and I was like, they look alike. I ain't no bitch like my brother, Jay. Yeah. I remember pointing that out as terrible exposition. Like, the only, the exposition that only exists elsewhere in, like, sort of meta-comedy programs where they're taking the piss out of the concept yeah. of exposition in television. I was raging with you that day, because I was just like, well, I can't say just enjoy wrestling. I was fuming. Yeah. So anyway, so he, and then after this, he just joins. Yeah. There's no big angle to, like, coerce him into joining. He uh, just kind of just joins. Cheat relentlessly, the two of them. And then, yeah, and then Jimmy and Jay, cheat, 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 cheat. And then they have different opinions on Sami Zayn. Jimmy likes him. Mm-hmm. And Jay, oh, Jay likes him. No, no, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy loves him. Jimmy Jay's, loves him. Jay's furious because it appears that this is where it got good for me. So they've had the belts for ages. So that's yeah. kind of vindicated the Roman philosophy. Yes. But Roman making it seem like he likes Sammy frustrates Jay because like, hang on, like, I've been doing this all along and now you're just letting this goober into the family. Yeah. 
Whereas Jimmy's like, hey, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Yeah. I like him. It's quite funny. He yeah. pops me. He pops me. Well, then it got good. Then, then the story got good. Then eventually, Jay and Sammy forge this bond. It's war games. Sammy war games. Picks Jay yeah. over Kevin Owens. Yeah. yeah. So then, wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And then it's Kevin Owens who ruins everything. Yeah. Because Sammy's torn and he has to pick between his oldest friend or the guy. He probably deep down knows. It's not the best for him, but he just likes him and wants to impress him. He goes, no, you know I'm going to pick my loyalties. Sides with um, Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. Jimmy enthusiastically joins in the beatdown. Yeah. Right? And then Jay's like, actually, you know what? I'm, I've really bonded with this guy. A nice subversion of yeah. yeah. And then eventually Jay turns on Sammy as well. I have to. How could you expect me to turn on my own flesh and blood? Yeah. yeah. And it's good. It's really dramatically effective because the right thing to do, but what is the right thing to do? Do I recognize that he's a horrible person and a manipulator and an abuser and a gaslighter and all the rest mm. of it? Or do I stick with him because he's family? That's the real drama. Anyway, so the Usos turn heel again, lose the titles, and then at... The Saudi show? Yeah. What is it that causes Jimmy to Ro- be the one to kick him in the face? Roman and Solo, basically. Roman has basically had me and Solo win the belts back because you two are useless. You are yes, absolutely yeah. terrible losers, and we'll get this done. And Jimmy's very much enough is enough. And we've all kind of yeah, felt yeah. that bubbling under. Yeah. So Jimmy turns on him. Jay's like, what? Sick of being negged. Yeah. And then Jay realizes, no, I can. My brother has helped lift me up out yeah. of this situation. Then I'll the get him to. Bloodline implodes. Money in the bank. Yep. We have that match. And then on the SmackDown, Jimmy gets hospitalized. Yeah. Then Jay, this is where it all goes wrong. Jay doesn't really tend to his brother's medical needs or his neck health <laughs> for that long before immediately talking to Roman and saying, you know what? Enough's enough. If you put my brother in the hospital, I need to be the tribal chief because this bloodline's horrible. Uh, I'm the first guy to pin you. Yeah. Like three years, so I can do it again. I can do it again, but the reason why I want to do it again is because you can't be putting my brother in the hospital. Yeah. Like, it's gone too far. We need a new tribal chief because this is horrible. Then Jimmy turns on him, on Jay, at SummerSlam. His explanation is, I don't want you to become Roman Reigns. Yep. But now he's like, oh, Roman's quite good, actually. I want to be his mate. I want to be back the- in the gang. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those where it's like, I can't even see what the idea is, even if they're doing it poorly and then in a confusing way. I don't know what the idea is. Is the idea that me, better example, you, the WWE (laughs) fan, I'm going to be going, oh, that Jimmy Uso, he's a hypocrite. He turned on his brother. He said it was for this reason. But maybe he just wanted the glory or something. Mm. I, is that what I'm meant to be thinking here? I don't know, is the answer. I feel over the last two weeks that Jimmy Uso has been cast as an idiot because... And, and a loser, don't forget and, that. And a loser. The explanation So was, we think he's stupid and not playing a insincere game of why he's attacked his brother. He's not doing an effective enough job of being insincere. Put it like that. You can't, if if Jimmy Uso was supposed to be playing this long game, this 4D chess, where he's like, oh no, I'm in the bloodline, and that draws Roman back, and then he gets to attack Roman. Let's just say, for example, A, why didn't he do it when he was in the ring with Roman, when Roman was offering jets, and theoretically in a weakened state, he could have done it then. B, 
WWE should be scripting these segments to make Jimmy look like the smartest guy in the room full of ostensibly smart people. Usually, what they would do here, and I think that's what I'm missing, they would like do a close-up on his face with like a uh, smug, I-know-something-you-don't-know expression, linger for 10 seconds. It's a minimum, they haven't done that. Maybe I need it. Too long. Yeah. Maybe I need that. Like to make it clear, and I've what, got n- no idea. And what really winds me up about this is that there's two sides to this story. And then you say, you say, I think they're kind of nailing it. That post SummerSlam thing. You're obsessed with Jay on Raw. Love Jay on Raw, me. Best thing in wrestling today. But not just because of that. That segment, genuinely. Oh my god, WWE did a great job with the baby face. Write that down. That never happens. Like. When Jimmy rejects the jet and Jimmy rejects the cars and all the rest of it from Roman, and then Jay says, All right, Jimmy, and calls him back and doesn't hug him and super kicks him and leaves. Awesome. A baby face with actual, like, self respect and dignity and a bit of intelligence. That never, ever happens, right? And now he's mates with Cody Rhodes, which is, and, and still on terms of Sami Zayn. And they're like, Good. We know in WWE Kayfabe, that's, those are good routes to take, right? Jay Uso's kind of got all this right. While Jimmy makes one call and it's the stupidest thing he's ever done, and I don't get how that can make sense in the big picture, Jimmy. Unless they're trying to tell you, look, siding with Roman was the dumbest thing you could have done, and now you've been overwhelmed by that, and you are the dumbest man that ever lived. That's terrible. That is terrible. I'm wondering because, look, for all its faults, they've pretty much they've got this for their fans unbelievably right over the past calendar year. Mm-hmm. Every step of the way, they've wrong-footed fans on occasion. Not wrong-footed, but just surprised them with when. I thought the low blow at Money in the Bank was genuinely elegant. Yeah. Never saw that coming. I'm wondering if they've, like the WWE Creative Brain Trust, have looked at the discourse after SummerSlam, heard, felt how dismal that main event was. Mm and thought, ooh, we need to do something about this, and then haven't really worked out what it is they're doing to correct it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I wonder if this is the plan. Pretty shoddy plan. I think there's a couple of goals here, and we'll get to them later on. I think they kind of reveal themselves on this show. But I would agree with you. It feels like it's playing out as a shoddy plan, and that's the big contrast to where we were at this time last year, where mm-hmm. not only were there clear goals and intentions that were going to play out it was also really, really fun being on the journey. That storytelling, ultimately. Like, the Sami Zayn uh, t-shirt segment, just being one example, is as fun to watch as it's happening as it is think about what's next. Yeah. I don't give a damn about the Tribal Chief and that zoom in, that Okada-like reverse zoom on Roman Reigns' face as Jesus says that. Yeah. is as electrifying in the moment as it is, what's Roman going to do about that? Yeah. Like, what's... How has he lost control of the bloodline that Jay Uso is thinking these things? It's supposed to be both, isn't it? Yeah. And at this point, we're just talking ourselves in a circle of how dumb Jimmy Uso is and then trying to guess at an outcome. Yeah. This is not fun. These are both worse scenarios yes. than we were at 12 months ago. Yeah. Jimmy Uso, not helped by the fact that I don't know what the character is or the motivations or whatever, is not particularly great. Mm. He, he, he genuinely is behaving like a clown. Yeah. Like a deluded clown with no gr- er, like gris, uh, grisp. Grasp, grip on reality. All right, we're in the bloodline again. Uh, what? Yeah. Like, have you lost your mind? I don't know if he's meant to be this clown or he's meant to be this deluded guy. I don't know if they're even going for levity here. I don't know if they're going for, you know, when Dean Ambrose, this is all enforced because mm-hmm. they're trying to get him to stay by 
hey, Dean, we'll give you a nice exit. Us? Yeah. And then I don't know if the plan was Ambrose to go, you know what? They will to treat me like this on the way out. How will they treat me if I come back? Yeah. So they turn and face, and they do this really good hang the lantern. We know it's ridiculous, but you're the lunatic fringe, and you're going to just pretend you're back in the shield. Love Seth it. Rollins is going to be, what? <laughs> yeah. But just go along with it anyway, and it's this weird, wonderful thing. And they do that thing where Ambrose, like, corrects his jaw, just looks at Rollins for an uncomfortably long amount of time. It's funny. And he goes, eh. And then they the shield at his back for some reason. Where were you, man? Yeah, where were you, man? Is Jimmy Uso, when he's backstage, ain't going, hey, I'm in the bloodline. What's the strategy for AJ Styles, huh? Yeah. Is that meant to be, he's wacky. Wacky Jimmy Uso. I find this funny. Is it meant to be funny? And I'm just not laughing because the performance is so bad. I do not know what this is. Would they not press a crowd laughter button? On those backstage segments. If yeah, they were. weren't pressing as many buttons back then as they are now. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one thing before we move on, because but I don't think we're going to arrive at the answer, so we might as well move on. Mm-hmm. Paul Heyman's acting's terrible. Yeah. This Paul Heyman deserves to get, like, buried or criticised when he does something that's bad. We don't talk about this enough. We do not talk about Paul enough about Paul Heyman sometimes being a rotten television performer because he's a sacred cow, because he's one of the few people in WWE he was allowed to cut his own promos with his own creative influence, so of course he's going to stand out. And you know what? Over the years in various roles and guises, he has been brilliant, capital B. He's up. Yeah, in a credit debit situation, yeah. he's up over his career. Yeah. Dismal. I found his acting dismal here so Phoned in. So the idea, as you are aware, is that he's trying to sell Roman Reigns as such an intimidating final boss, this cantankerous, maverick, industry, company saviour who is so prone to violent outbursts and a temper tantrum and this control that everything must be okay for Roman. Everything's going to be great for Roman. Um, We can't unsettle Roman... Roman, there'll be consequences if you upset Roman. Paul Heyman, for three years now, has done these, oh, no, faces when Roman's, like, yeah. on the verge of being beat or whatever. So he's, the idea, he's scared of Roman Reigns and the power that Roman Reigns wields and all the rest of it. Is it method for Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> he's been front row for that, hasn't he? Like, hey, maybe that's the... Uh, so in order to convey this fear, Paul Heyman, who looks pretty bored <laughs> and phoned in at this point, was saying to Jimmy, <laughs> and he's trying to like do the story. <laughs> yeah. I hate this so much. It's cringeworthy. It's cringeworthy. I'm cringing doing the impression of it. I'm cringing at myself doing the impression of it. And he goes, oh, you could be in the bloodline, but you got to be in. It's like, what are you doing here, Paul? You're embarrassing yourself. You might be one of the best promos in wrestling history, are you? Maybe some shoots and then maybe you're halfway interesting. Mr. Sedgwick, sir, you're sounding very cross, sir. Let me assure you that we are merely at the bottom of the third. Have you watched baseball, sir? No, I haven't. Join what, me in the United States What is the time. soccer equivalent of bottom of the third? Is that halftime? I don't or know. I don't know. Um, like... 60, maybe 75 minutes with where you're like a goal down. It's like, oh, there's still a game in this. I, I don't know. I'm going to Google it while you recap the next thing. Oh, well, I what need is to... bottom of the third? 
I need your help on this as well. Um, right. I got tagged in this on Twitter over the weekend, and I was grateful for people caring enough to ask my thoughts on this. And my thoughts were, this was really funny. Um, LA Knight came out next. Uh, I Sorry, I should point out, Damage Control laid out the challenge. We're going to get Asker and Eos guy in a couple of weeks for the title. For a bailed. LA Knight is out. Gets a massive, massive reaction again. These reactions. Go on, there are got? nine innings. Oh, Christ. In baseball. Six innings left. There. Bottom of the third. So he's basically saying we're not even halfway there yet. Great. We should be, because WrestleMania's in April, Paul. So get to the point. Our WrestleMania 41, man. Get no, to the point. There's always another WrestleMania, bro. <laughs> uh, LA Knight, huge reaction. Still amazing to see. It's exciting, feeling like you're in the presence of a star on the come-up. Uh, and he references the Miz Invisible Man segment on Raw, which I thought was goaded, but I understand why it was divisive. And then talks about the Miz's theme, uh, where it says, of course, Miz's theme says, he came to play... And now he says, if I was a complete moron, I might want to talk about the adjective, but instead I'm going to analyse the verb. Good dig at the Nasher here, because Kevin Nash, of course, infamously made this mistake on Nitro back in 1996, has been quite an outspoken critic yes. of LA Knight. Uh, Basically saying he's ripping off the rock. Aye. He's doing the Stone Cold I love how like, Kevin Nash is, does not care about online wrestling. No. And has probably thought to himself, hey, has anyone made this connection? <laughs> hey, guys. I mean, everyone for the past 10 years has, since Eli Drake first turned up in Impact. I'm kind of the last one to make this observation. Yeah, yeah. It's one away no, from I think majority. he's... I'm kind of the first person to make this <laughs> observation. So, yeah. Uh, now you're having a dig back at Kevin Nash. I'm all for it. It's good stuff. Uh, yeah, again. I like the cojones. Yeah. And especially when Nash has evolved into this beloved meme figure who everyone who kind of resented him at the time now thinks it's funny. Yeah, that he just made his money. I, I do feel like I've like, I've had a few years with both Nash and Jarrett of like, join me, you're very yeah, welcome. Yeah, yeah. I've sat in the span wagon for a long time, it's been really lonely. Yes. But I admire Ellie Knight doing this because there's like a real life version of a storyline promo that he's about to cut where he, yeah, he kind of like puts Kevin Nash in his place subtly and then just overtly buries John Cena. He says, look, like, well, he doesn't bury him. He says, like, I respect him, but I don't need his endorsement. Like, he was just there to count the three. That's all he was there for. And I quite like that. Like, for all that they've been like half in, half out with the LA Knight push, a wrestler going out there and talking like that about a John Cena it is. is worthwhile. One of the few good... <laughs> I really bury Dolph Ziggler cruelly there. Every now and then, like, I'll follow a, a Twitter account and they'll pop up in, you know, the usual engagement forming bollocks and say, you know, Dolph Ziggler was actually cooking in, like, 2011 and mm. 2012. And then you see... MP4s of those 2012 TV matches where he really was on it, yeah. dialed in, bumping like a madman. Like, he's, he goes hard. Yeah. Like, he's going crazy in there. Like, it's, it's actually like, oh, I want to go back and watch that full match because he's going crazy in there, just trying to get it. So I was going to say, one of the few good things Dolph Ziggler's ever done, <laughs> it's just time is cruel, isn't it? Like, at the time... I love I was, those edge and punk... Consecutive Royal Rumble title, yeah. but he was just a Rumble title contender. Yeah. They were great anyway. Yeah, yeah. But like, he's going hard and he's going crazy in there. One of the good things that Ziggler has ever done is he coined something that me and Hamlet were gutted that we didn't. That's amazing. <laughs> because he was talking about how when he was ostensibly in his prime and should have been given the push, he was instead relegated as the part-timers came in, asked to dress up as, you know someone in WWE.com photo shoots with mm. the classic belts, yeah. the Attitude Era belts, and then he was told, right, you're going to be a talking head on the latest Attitude Era retrospective, and you're not going to get a match at WrestleMania in a singles ever, <laughs> apart from at 36, yeah. because 
uh, Lesnar's coming back, Taker's coming back, Rock's coming back. Blah, blah. So he said, like, we're living in the gratitude era <laughs> where our jobs now are to basically fawn over the attitude era, make way for the attitude era stars. And really, like, it's hard to, to think about now because there's been AEW. There's been, you know, the Triple H-led resurgence of WWE. For the longest time, it was like attitude era this, attitude era this. It was an inescapable shadow yeah. that everything was compared to or, you know what I mean? It was just everywhere. Like It was like they could never escape it. Mm. What I liked about this Ellie Knight segment was that he's just torched the idea of gratitude era. This. The idea that you don't have to fawn over that idiot John Cena. Yeah, well, that's and that's what he was saying, you know, like, of course, I respect what he's done, but it's not about then, it's about now. Yeah. Like, this coupled with, like, it's, it's probably still my favourite single episode of the year, the Roy's Triple X segment where, like, every version of DX backed down from Imperium and gave you individual reasons why they were scared of, like, fighting Gunther. It's like, that's what it should have been all along. Yeah. Put these guys over. And this is, I guess, what, like, Cena's endorsement of LA Knight was for, because, but the follow-up has to matter, and I think they kind of nailed that here. Um... So yeah, he finishes talking about John Cena and he says, look, I saw the Miz's promo though and if he wants one more match, I guess you're a cockroach that needs stamping out and I'll do that. Um, it's going to be a bit of a pull to swallow watching you get replaced by LA Knight, but that's what's going to happen. So we're going to get LA Knight and the Miz one more time, but before oh. we get that, and I want to make reference to a thing that I don't know if everybody saw this at the time. I feel like it was a big meme, but maybe it wasn't. Um, remember when there was that... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Uh, like, flowchart or family tree type thing of Triple H with his long hair and his beard. And it was like, there's Scottish Triple H, Drew McIntyre. There's Samoan Triple H, Roman Reigns. There's Goth Triple H, Alistair Black. And on it went with just like, and there's like sort of indie Triple H, Adam Cole. Long hair, beard, certain look, certain look, certain look. Ellie Knight building the match with The Miz before he's interrupted by Austin Theory and Grayson Waller. I know, I know. felt like this moment of, right, when do we make the flow chart? How, yeah. many, how many of these have we got? You mentioned Dolph Ziggler. Cut the hair on him back in whatever year that was, 2013. You can stick him in here as well. Oh, that's harsh. Like Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona trying to make a comeback. There's a few of these. There's a few of these, uh, like, short-haired WWE body guys. Like, and it's almost like LA Knight's been put in a program. Right, work the mirror feud and see if you're the best of the lot. Yeah. This is your next test. Yeah. All we're watching is the tests of LA Knight. But I think there's something on the show that says they want him to pass these tests. Because we get um, Austin Theory and uh, Grayson Waller 
coming out and phew, bold strategy cotton because they have made these a tag team under the guise that Grace Waller can really talk and believes his own BS. And he makes a good joke about them being like the only undefeated tag team in WWE history. That's quite a funny line, I suppose. Reminds me of Guevara saying Jericho's the, the youngest AEW champion yeah. ever. It's that kind of crack. Uh, but yet again, as with when he was fighting LA Knight, or anyone for that matter, you've put Austin Theory with yet somebody else that massively overshadows him. Isn't the thing is, though, if you wanted to avoid that, you would just have Austin Theory starring on his own one-man show. <laughs> yeah. Because virtually everyone he shares the screen with is going to overshadow him. Well, we got that before the match, Austin Theory versus LA Knight, even happened, because uh, they were doing the thing again where like they were both suggesting that LA Knight's a flash in the pan when really there probably that while he's the biggest star uh, and he's willing to take on the challenge he says if Theory and Waller are finished boring the fans he'll show this couple of incels how it's done he calls Waller a mushmouth moron yeah Austin Theory a cross-eyed halfwit yeah and then calls them both crotch goblins yeah yeah I don't know what that is mixed stuff but the crowd going nuts for it obviously it's LA Knight he's doing it's he's kind of entered the rock era does feel undeniable when he's talking. Yeah. People go mad for it all. Uh, There's but- one really cool thing here, and one thing I hated, is that Austin Theory, this is the thing I hate, Austin Theory, even more than The Miz, because at the least The Miz has got some, he's animated, he's got yeah. something about him. He's charismatic. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like him, particularly. I don't think his work is good enough by half. But he's charismatic. Every now and then he'll pop me The Miz. Yeah. He's got like that obnoxious. He's got something about him, a bit of presence. I think the the Miz has always been a bit of force of will for me. Yeah, he will just work to get one out of you. He will just shout every few months. He'll shout at you a lot. Austin Theory with his drawl delivery is like monotony. Like it's just he doesn't have any kind of pizzazz. So even like hyperactively obsessed with himself, Mm. he's just he's Austin Theory is the ultimate monotone, pull the string out of his back, release the string. As it re-enters his back, he will read something from his Wikipedia page. I defeated John Cena at WrestleMania 39. Thanks, Austin. (laughs) Pull the string. Release your fingers. The string goes back in. I've also defeated you, LA Knight. Just now, absolutely nothing about him. The man is a living... Figure. <laughs> That's what he is. Pull the string. You're going to be A-Town down, or I am, depending on which way that phrase works. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then when he's doing this rubbish, this action figure reads out Wikipedia page, rubbish. I don't know how crafty LA Knight's being here. He says something to the effect of, oh, well, I can see you're both fan favorites. <laughs> I don't know if he's doing that to like, sort of urge the fans to, like, boo. Mm. Hey, it's a good job you guys are fan favorites. Like, that, like, appeal to the crowd, and the crowd go, boo. Or if he's just reacting to the utter silence that they are summoning here. Paul Grayson Waller's catching a few straights. He's done pretty well so yeah. far. Like the- <laughs> I just love that. I huh? see both fan favorites. I enjoyed the line something. I don't know if he's trying to summon the, the, a few boos, or if he's just outwardly saying, no one cares about what you're saying at all. You couldn't. So you put LA Knight in there against Austin Theory next. It was like a church. Yeah. Like the, the cliche, it was a church. But oddly, despite how there was no response for anything Austin Theory was doing in this match, 
You couldn't do this the other way. This was a genuine attempt by WWE to maximise the positives because you can beat Austin Theory like a drum because nobody cares anymore. But they put Grayson Waller on commentary to promote that John Cena, via the LA Knight match, is going to be a guest on the Grayson Waller effect to talk about his interactions with LA Knight last week. So they're still putting over Grayson Waller, still putting over John Cena's interaction with LA Knight, and they're still putting over LA Knight. And they are sending Grayson, uh, sending Austin Theory out there to die in kind of yet another boring match just to give LA Knight a TV win. So you can see how the functional wheels were turning, but Austin Theory is like the opposite of elevating bad material, isn't he? There was some good material here, and he kind of drags it down just by being as boring as he is to the point where, like, this match, and look, it's Austin Theory versus LA Knight. There's very little to talk about until we find them brawling out by the announce table, and then you've got uh, Grayson Waller out there trying to run distraction, basically. There's very little to this match because it we remain... Like LA Knight's still a bit of a Rubik's Cube, I think. I, I, I cannot solve them. And yeah. I certainly cannot solve them quickly. I don't know quite where the ceiling is with LA Knight. But anyway, they're having like a sort of believable fight on the floor. Uh, Grayson Waller leaves the commentary at this point to try and get rid of one of the turnbuckle coverings. Uh, Austin Theory clocks that, but LA Knight avoids being sent into it. Uh, to hit a slam on Austin Theory. Then LA Knight hits the elbow, but when he goes to the blunt force trauma, uh, Grayson Waller distracts him from the floor. Um, Austin Theory is the one that ultimately gets nearly sent into the corner. He stops and it's like, whoa, 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 that would have been a heel miscommunication. But it doesn't matter because he turns back into the blunt force trauma anyway, which is, again is more of that in-match burial booking of Austin Theory. Yes. Like he's clever enough to avoid the heel miscommunication, but too stupid to avoid getting hit with the his opponent's finisher. Yes. The one thing he should have scouted. So there's like sort of message in there that Theory is a loser and nobody a joke. And Grayson Waller on commentary was way more interested in promoting yeah. Grayson Waller effect with John Cena next week. Tell you what though, this is 10 times better than the Miz match. Yeah. Which is not saying It's also much, five minutes shorter. Which helps enormously. Yeah. Have you ever heard this... It's kind of a gimmick thing called Gates of Hades. No. There's a trend... Beginning of the 2010s, idols, where you listen to this long, long bit of soundscaping, and it's meant to give you like a feeling, Mm. like a virtual drug sort of thing. There's one called Gates of Hades, where never, ever listen to it. It's not worth it. For 30 minutes, this really unsettling drone, and it's sort of lulls you into thinking about horrible things or uh, experiencing these feelings of anxiety. Don Callis and Takeshita's music. A little bit like that. And then at 30 minutes or there or thereabouts, the most ear-splitting, piercing cacophony just rushes into your headphones. And it's like, I've never ripped headphones out of my head and my ears it's like it was hor- one of the most horrible sensations, like scary, like genuinely okay. someone's palpitations. That ear-splitting, piercing thing sounds like a church compared to the reactions that Austin Theory gets <laughs> on television. It's good. It is. No one cares about this guy at all. It's not getting like a feeling in the pit of my stomach thinking about that Gates of Hades thing. I'm, I, I know you've already told me and the listeners not to go do this. I feel like I'm going to go do it anyway. Because you've kind of created a... Sensation around it, just describing it. It's like, you know, like internet nasties, like yeah. certain videos that you, you, you know what the type, I'm don't not even going to talk about no. them. Yeah, you don't watch them, you don't watch them. It's like that, but a soundscape. Mm. On Spotify <laughs> or wherever you get your gates <laughs> from. 
AJ Styles can still stand, so you better believe he can still fight. Uh, of course he can still stand. Like, the world's flat. Yeah. It's not a circle, AJ. Uh, doesn't matter how many times Jimmy Uso jumps him, he's going to keep getting up and he's going to keep fighting back and he's going to win. And we'll see that later on in the main event. In AJ Styles' head, right? Mm. If the... <laughs> There's not much, so I don't know where you're going with this. If he's... If the earth is round, which yeah. he... I'm not a flat earther, but like, clearly he is. Some people's feet are flat. Yeah. There's just some things about it that makes sense. Does he think, you know when you're doing the um, bit where you're like behind some boxes or whatever <laughs> and you go, and you pretend you're going to the basement. <laughs> Does he think that if the world was round, that's how people would walk? Does that what he thinks? That's why your feet are flat. It's that like maths equation gif of like the, the numbers flying past. Yeah. It's just that bit in Austin Powers where he's doing the bit behind the couch. Yeah. That guy in an elevator. Those crazy Brits. <laughs> hey, if the earth was really round, how come you ain't doing that? Hey, Grayson, explain to me why the plane don't go upside down when we go to your country. Yeah. Huh? Rhea, got an answer for me on that one? Uh, hang on, hang on. Is my head? Oh, yeah, my head's still the same place. <laughs> I was watching Neighbors the other day, straight on the ground. Explain that to me. <laughs> the neighbors community. Uh, more Paul Heyman backstage, having seen that AJ Styles is ready for the fight. Um, and he's needling Adam Pearce about who's coming to SmackDown as a result of the Jey Uso trade. So um, the worst time to do this, knowing what follows a minute later. Pearce... Notes that it's uh, above his pay grade. Right? Like, who then? Who, if not you, Adam Pearce? The one authority figure across both brands apparently has nothing to do with the trade. Who's, who's deciding that? Is it the game? It's probably the game, Triple H. Game, Triple H. Um, at this point, right, and this is where I'm going to defend the booking slightly, LA Knight comes in, uh, gets his match with him as confirmed, um, and Paul Heyman introduced himself to Mr. Knight, sir. I'm a big fan of your work. And uh, Ellie Knight's having none of it. Um, don't interrupt him when he's doing business, which is what he was doing with Adam Pearce. Uh, gives him a yeah to the face. Yeah. And Paul Heyman walks away. Uh, I, I'm into this, you know? Like, it was about time these two characters interacted. Ellie Knight passing these tests of, are you mid-card on the up, or are you just mid forever? It's kind of been the story of Ellie Knight's 2023 ride. Yeah. He misses WrestleMania completely. He wins a battle royal, but the battle royal is for a slim gym. He gets the Miz, but he also gets the Miz. Yeah. Like, where are we at with LA Knight? This is statement of intent stuff from the game Triple H, the King of Plots, because you just don't see these people interact on screen without something happening in like eight weeks' time, do you? Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm not being insincere. I'll tell you what, I'll right? tell you what. I don't think LA Knight is guy who wins the Rumble and wins the big in at WrestleMania. I just, no, I just don't. Me neither. And if he's not that, I can't think of a single better person to lose to Roman Reigns and make people think he still might win. At the Rumble. At the Rumble. And he's then the he, can't, he can't take Cody's pop if he's in it. Because he would. Uh, LA Knight will take somebody's pop in that Rumble. I think he's the ultimate, the only person left in this Roman run that people will... You have the similar Sami Zayn-esque controversy of 
They have to. They have to go with him. Well, not really, because they're going to earn even more money and get better ratings when he loses, and it's all going to be fine. He's the ultimate. Mm. Fans will buy it so much that they'll create an outrage if it doesn't happen, and then the outrage will never really materialize into anything because, you know, that cliche of, you'll keep watching. So, well, first of all, if I didn't work here, I would not watch. <laughs> Second of all, that's actually true. Yeah. The, if LA Knight was to lose to Roman Reigns, people would go out, was the time, it was the time, and then they'd watch to actually see it happen with Cody. Who was the best candidate for that job? That's it. There's been other close but no cigar guys, and there's almost like, that would put LA Knight in league with Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes part one. Yeah. So there's almost no shame in that, is there? Like, I could see LA Knight, Rhodes or Rumble season, getting a pin over Solo Sokoa. Like, and yeah. people would be like, there it is. There's the half star match. Oh, it'd be rubbish. But like, you know, you, the visual of him getting the victory. Is there yeah. only Cody that's pinned solo so far? Yeah. The fairly well protected solo Sokoa. That's your rumble build done, really, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like whatever remains yeah. of Bloodline by then. Um so uh, that's their sort of first interaction. We then we go back to the ring where the judgment day um are talking about how obviously they've got all the belts. Payback was their night, you've got the tag team champion, senior one in the band, etc. Um and then this is where they kind of put interject themselves in a bloodline business as well. And that's where you kind of see this running thing. Like, what is the bloodline kind of becomes the running theme of the SmackDown, which is where I'm going to praise it a little bit. Damien Priest says they did something the bloodline couldn't do, which was defeat Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for the tag team titles. Roman couldn't get it done, even when his stable was supposedly all-powerful. Judgment Day did it. That's why the Judgment Day, the dominant stable in WWE. And the dominant Mysterio builds on the interaction he had with Jey Uso, which was great, where I was like, I get where you're coming from. We're both... Like, we've got family in this business. We're both second-generation stars, Jay. You don't need to be all alone in this locker room. And Dominic's the one that's willing to let Jay, like, opens the door a crack for Jay to join the Judgment Day. Um, but before he can kind of go on with that, you get an interruption from the Brawling Brutes, who, bless him, claim to be a more dominant stable. And it's like, well, it's got to be Jobber Stables too, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and, like, that's how Butch and Ridge Holland feel, despite, you know, them being cast as the baby faces here, which I suppose puts over the stars that the Judgment Day have become. Um... But there is a quite a nice little bit which sets up the match that we're going to get next with Butch and Ridge Holland versus uh, Finn Balor and Damian Priest, where Butch says, you know, like, you need to worry about people like me. Finn Balor does that incredible laugh. and says, Worry about you? Sticks his finger out and Butch breaks it. Yeah. Like, and Balor's great in this yeah, film, yeah, isn't yeah. he? He's genuinely good WWE comedy, which leads us to um, the match. Uh, it's not for the tag team titles. And nonetheless, um, Judgment Day, get it done. Uh, again, like, goes over 10, which had me thinking that maybe there was time to fill the roster in India. I don't know, but, like, it just felt like this is triple, triple H, to either his fault or his credit, depending on what you like, will always lean on matches when he needs to fill TV time. Yeah. Um, ultimately, like, you get Ridge Holland doing the power game on Finn Balor, and then in kind, Damian Priest doing the power game on Butch, until we get to the point where Butch is able to out-wrestle Damian Priest. He counters the South of Heaven and sets up Ridge Holland to like tackle everybody out of their boots. But Damien Priest is able to um, take advantage of both guys with Finn Balor seemingly out, uh, out of action. Damien Priest is able to get both Ridge and Pete done, Butch, excuse me, with the South of Heaven. Tag Finn Balor back in. Yeah. It's a cutograph for the win. So, again, this idea that all of the tension that you thought you saw is on pause because the Judgment Day are better than ever, which I think is a nice development for right now because it's obviously not gone away. But you've got to kind of re-establish the tag team champions as the team that gets it done on the wreck. Before you do that angle at the end as well. Yeah. Well, like, this is it. So you get, like, a nice bit of business in the match um, while Sheamus wasn't, obviously, around to really help out. Then you get Bobby Lashley coming out with the Street Profits. Uh, Bobby Lashley and Damian Priest 
do the big, this used to be kind of like seen as Vince bait, but ultimately it's just because it looks cool. Two big guys from the groups, the muscle, face off against one another. Um, and uh, yeah, admit that the bloodline are crumbling, but it's not the Judgment Day's house. It's Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits' house, and it's theirs to conquer. All that kind of thing. Judgment Day decide to back down for the night. Call it a, call it a night, give them the ring. This, to me, is good. I think it's weird. Everything we said about bloodline, trying to decode whatever the hell it is now, and Jimmy Uso want to be a part of it, while all the other stables, they're finished, might be what they're trying to get at here. Roman Reigns is nowhere to be found. Jimmy Uso is on a hiding at nowhere because he's a clown loser idiot, while the other stables see that there is a spot wide open and they're the ones that want to fight to take it. As we approach what I think is going to be quite an interesting build to war games. Do a three-way war games? Ugh, no. But they could. I suppose they did that one time, didn't they? It was the best one they've done. Yeah, you're a big fan of that, aren't you? Huh? Is that what he eats the key? Yeah. Everybody does the big move and Adam Cole just sits there. Yeah. That was pretty good, actually. Yeah. Maybe he could then. Maybe he could. Three separate groups. But I, I quite like the idea of the bloodline were enough of a difference-making group that now stables are primed and ready to take their place. And Roman Reigns remains kind of silent to all of this while Jimmy tries to legitimise it and can't. I I like this. I, like, not least with LA Knight being somebody else that's more than happy to just pick a spot. It feels like there uh, are just this competition on this roster, and it's not about who you're in a one-on-one feud with. It's almost suggesting there is actually a bigger picture to all of this. I'll say one thing. I'll say a few things. <laughs> the match, nothing to write home about. Not really. Some of Finn and... Butcher's stuff looked good. Like, there was a crucifix pin where it just looked like he caught him. Yeah. They really put some effort in them, too. I don't know if this following take is particularly fair or whether the two or three times he's either... The two or three times he's actually injured someone, every time Ridgeblood Yolland goes for something that is set up in a vertical, suplexy way, I just get the... Yeah. I get the heebie-jeebies. And I don't know if it's fair on him. Because there was a landing here that was never. Oh, there's still that reckless energy about his. Yeah, there was. Stuff, there was. Yeah. Like, he's had some. I think it was Bala for a vertical suplex, and he just dropped him in a weird way. As it's like, you get, I get that weird feeling. Yeah, where it's not like, oh, someone's going to get their ass kicked. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, someone's going to get their ass kicked. Yeah. So that wasn't good. And suplexes give me the creeps. Yeah, suplexes give me the creeps like they generally do. I don't yeah. know if that's fair or not, or if I've just been tainted by. He's got hurt with his own stuff as well. Yeah, like I the know, bus, I know. this is both oh, sides, no, isn't no, it? Everyone's in danger. <laughs> um, right, I'll tell you one thing. Right, 2021 was good. AEW, obviously, not mm-hmm. the Fed. Even in 2021, it is very much the rules tinted stuff because there was like the factory. There was <laughs> Matt Hardy was still there. He used to be the uh, the guy, didn't he? The housemate that nobody likes. Yeah, you've got to have one housemate to remind yeah. you this is a pretty cool house. Yeah, yeah. So there's the, the factory. Okay, there was uh, Matt Hardy was kicking about doing nonsense, and the worst thing Orange Cassidy's ever done in that company. Oh God, yeah. There was like a, a few other things that made you think, all right, you know, it's not as good as it was in February twenty twenty, where all of it was good. One day I'll actually go back and watch these and find you. I'll find the bad thing. Not today, but one day I'll find out. Kip Sabian had a feud with George and I that wasn't up to much. Okay. That took up like 2% of the programming. That sounds like 2019, not 2020. Sounds like yeah, it doesn't even belong, yeah. does it? And it's 2020 progressed, and then you got to 2022. And you, you know, 
what happened with AEW is that they did so many things, or they continued to do so many things they'd established earlier where it made sense for these things to happen. Kind of for the sake of it, and because that was just the way that they did things, yeah. without thinking, oh, that's what we do here. Oh, why do you do it? They never asked that question. They just did it because that was the way. I remember getting the feeling of, why would you form a stable in AEW? Now, what's the purpose of doing this? The whole point was, Jericho forms a stable because he's a corny succubus who wants a lot of shortcuts to be an evil man and win that title. Yeah. And to, like, control AEW in his image. Or to redefine it in his image. And he knows there's already the the elite as well. Yeah. And then you have the elite, and they war with them. And then a few more stables. Eventually, it was like, isn't the point of a stable having enough people to run interference and win titles? Yeah. And I just reached a point where I was like, there are stables here because they make matches, not because the characters believe that being in a stable actually matters and gets them places. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. With this new development, it's like, this is the benefit of running the bloodline for so long. Yeah. Maybe into the ground is that when you've got the new stables popping up and there aren't aren't too many of them, like they're not. There's a right amount of them. There's a right amount. It now makes sense of, all right, if we can dominate these shows and take out the bloodline, we can run this. And I can hold that title if I'm Bobby Lashley for over a thousand days. The Judgment Day are already showing the evidence of how this works by having nearly all the belts. Yes. But it's okay for them to want one more. Romans. I can understand at times why WWE is so boring. Because it works. (laughs) (laughs) Boring stuff works. Yeah. Function. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes forgetting about fun. Yes. Yeah. I get that. It defines our differences in taste. Yes. We've got... um, You know what I mean, though? It makes all the sense of the world how there are this many stables. Yeah. And in contrast to that, and again, why I think there was like a certain degree of thought put into the structure of this show, AJ Styles goes back to the OC, who make it... Couldn't make it any clearer that they don't want to work, and they think it was stupid of AJ Styles to mix in. And he's like, I thought we were a group. I thought I could get involved in group stuff. Yeah. And Gallows and Anderson at this point are a bit, aren't they? Like, we told you not to. Dumbass. Yeah, dumbass. Like, and even kind of Meechin, who it was, I think it was her battle that maybe dragged AJ in the first place. She's kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of with them, actually. This is a bit easier. Can we just do this? And he's like, well, I'll do it on my goddamn own. Don't you dare come out there. So we know that AJ Styles is not going to have any help. That much is laid bare. So we get to our main event. Uh, it's Jimmy Uso versus AJ Styles. Oh, boy. Um, the story of this initially is Jimmy Uso now playing the heel that has lost any of the fire and the ability that he once had as a member of the Usos, just wants to stall and get out of the fight that he's apparently put himself in earlier in the night because he wants to, uh, he wants to audition for being back in the bloodline. And apparently he does that by rolling up the floor and stalling for nines. Baffling. Yeah, right. So that's the bit. So he keeps doing that. AJ's getting more and more frustrated. And then you think, oh, is this rope up? Is he trying to lure him in? No, he's just trying to lure AJ Styles in uh, sort of a sense of frustration so that he can at least take over and he can't even do that. Um, Jimmy keeps getting in before the 10 count until AJ Styles just smashes him with a baseball slide and takes over. So the stupid strategy didn't even work. So again, to your point, Jimmy, you is kind of a clown strategically as well. Yeah. But then Paul Heyman wanders out with Solo Sokoa, who he'd said wasn't going to be there. So we're led to believe that the phone call that Heyman made to Roman resulted in Roman saying, right, Solo, get on the plane. That's the story. But how long is this show? Who knows, right? Where does he live? How quick's the jet? Yeah. Right? But he must have flown normal airways, the quickest of all the airways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's the idea, isn't it? Roman Reigns said, I'm going to throw Jimmy a bone. Yeah. Solo, get on the plane. Go and help him. 
So Solo's out there with Paul Heyman, but he doesn't do anything. 45 minutes. So it's almost like... That's security, that. <laughs> yeah, minimum. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's throwing him half If anything, you'd go two hours before you meant to check in. Aye. Like, Solo's not had a chance to look at Duty Free today. Yeah. He's had to get straight there. Aye. Like, how quick was the Uber that got him from the airport? Like, was this building on a runway, on a flight path? Because that's the only way he's making it to this venue. Yeah. Anyway, those, these are not the questions for us to ask. Because Roman has obviously told Solo, go there, but don't actually help. So, as Solo's provided the distraction... And he's like, wait a minute, I don't trust that guy. That allows Jimmy to take over. But a couple of times, Jimmy puts AJ by the ropes and Solo does nothing. So, again, like I'm burying this, but I sort of think that's quite believable Roman Reigns gaslighting stuff, isn't it? Go there and show that you're present for him. Don't help him. Give a little bit, take more. That's what Roman Reigns has done to control the Usos all this time. So he's back doing it again. Jimmy's an idiot. Jimmy's a stupid moron. He's a clown. Right? Clown so like, comic. Solo, why aren't you helping me, right? AJ, nonetheless, is pretty distracted, disarmed by Solo being there. There's a point where he goes to the phenomenal forearm but has to move sides of the ring because he doesn't like having his back to Solo. And Jimmy Uso is able to use that distraction to, in inverted commas, hit AJ with a super kick, which we had a big old laugh about in the office this morning over the desks. Yes, we did, because it's useless by a mile. Um, and, yeah, Solo continues not to help. The battle spills to the floor. Solo motions that he might get involved, but before he can, AJ kicks him first. Nothing wrong with a baby face trying to show a bit of ingenuity and intelligence. Assumes that Solo's going to interrupt, so he kicks Solo in the face, uh, rolls Jimmy back into the ring, and nails the phenomenal forearm um, to get the win, having also pushed Jimmy Uso into the So he's the a loser as well. So Jimmy Uso loses the match. Once Jimmy has lost the match, correct me if I've got this wrong in my notes, once Jimmy has lost the match, Solo gets in the ring, and AJ sees what's going to happen and rolls to the floor. So Solo hasn't helped, but he looked like at bare minimum he was going to take revenge for AJ kicking him in the head. Not because he was there to help Jimmy. That's left ambiguous, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then the Judgment Day appear on the ramp behind AJ and throw him back into the Wolves where Solo can attack and you know win the night, I guess, with AJ Styles. So the Judgment Day have basically, I think here, tried to flex that, well, look, you're the two years, you're a couple of losers, the bloodline are dead weight now, without the Judgment Day around to help. So it feels like to me a little bit of a flex that they would be there to help the bloodline, whilst AJ had said, nobody's going to come out and help me, I'm going to be all alone. So it feels like the Judgment Day are trying to like mark the territory now, we're the ones that are across this. You losers cannot find your asses with both hands, yeah. but we will, and here's your AJ Styles, and then they get to feed on and pick the bones, and that's the end of the show. And Jimmy's like, yeah, I lost the match, but we sure beat him down, didn't we, Solo? And Solo still refuses to react. Right? I'm baffled by all of this, to be honest. I was into the Judgment Day element of it. My take stupid. on the bloodline, uh, the Judgment Day element is they might have realised, hang on, Jimmy's floundering. Yeah. Jimmy is floundering as this new heel singles act Big, and it's, there are actual stakes now. This isn't just your Garden Variety, Vince McMahon, insanity of (laughs) 2017, 2018. They are hot. There are stakes. There are things that cannot be messed with, and this bloodline cash cow is the preeminent example of that. My take was like, these lads are floundering without Roman here. Oh, dear. This is not working. What do we do about it? Oh, and someone's had a bit of a masterstroke, really. Oh, we had the Judgment Day and the Bloodline have this sort of uneasy alliance stuff on Raw earlier this year. Could revisit that. Yeah. Get some real star power. That was my cynical read on it. The match, oh boy. The story of the match was meant to be boring, and when it was meant to be less than boring, was still boring. 
again, if you've not watched this, it's my duty to try and describe the action to you. Okay? Because I feel like a lot of the WWE listeners don't actually watch the shows, but the people watch AEW. So I'm going to try and paint a, a vivid picture, right, of this. So basically, Styles is trying to get back in the ring, but the idea is Jimmy cuts him off with a super kick so he can't launch a springboard attack or whatever. Yeah. Jimmy Uso does this super kick, right, where the best way I can think to describe how bad it looked is imagine someone trying to do a super kick, right, but for whatever reason, like, his head's not looking at the target. So it's that, it's the theater. You want the leg to go as long and as high as possible so it looks fun mm-hmm. and cool or whatever. He misses the point that you're still meant to kick with some thrust, hence why they call it a thrust kick. But that core fundamental reason for this move to happen is just lost completely. Like we're talking about with hook in the leg. Yeah. Right? It's as if he wants to kick someone in the face and then realizes that there's a small creature on the canvas that he needs to headbutt more. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So he goes to kick. Oh, what's that? Headbutt. Yeah. Oh, spider. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, Forgets the yes. core point of it. Yeah. Why is he going? Did we talk about the pinfall thing on a podcast? It was in the office. It was we, in the podcast. Was it? We, where we, it's like the word pin has actually lost all meaning. Brett's pin was the best, even when Gorilla used to have a go at him for not hooking a leg. Yeah. Because he is pushing down on shoulders pinning, with all of pinning, his body weight. Pinning, pinning, pinning. Yeah. yeah. But no one pins anymore. They just they might as well call him. Oh, he's got the. You can win by uh, submissions or leg hooking. They're putting the pin in. Finished. Yeah, you can win the match by disqualification, count out, submission or leg hooking. <laughs> if you can hook your opponent's leg for three seconds, it's not about a pin. No, this match wasn't about wrestling. This match was tedious by design, somehow. Yeah, and the execution of the bits that wasn't stalling Jimmy Uso's uh, Pimmy Puso. Tell us why we're wrong about the line. Yeah, please, because explain us... this to me. I'm. I was tempted the other day. Sorry to talking over you. I apologize. I was like, you know that um, Twitter gimmick, the X gimmick of I'm trying to see something. Yeah, but I think people are just trying to like invite stupid responses or whatever, uh-huh. or see if their own weird take on something. Oh no, I get that as well. I'm trying to see if people have got the most deranged takes. So I'm tempted to tweet, like, someone explain this bloodline to me thing, like, I'm five. I'm trying to see something. Basically, I'm trying to see people fall over themselves to explain it. <laughs> I don't get it. No, I'm, it's, I'm as lost as I've been thus far. And I'm not sure if some of that is down to Jimmy Uso's inability to quite perform what's being asked of him. Bad storytelling outright. Um, where do any of you sit on it? Like I said, yeah. I'm finding positives elsewhere with some of the components outside of Bloodline. Yeah, but not, look for them, so. not within it. Uh, and if you want to let us know on X, you can do, uh, where you can also follow us individually. They can find you, Michael Sidgwick, at? M. Sidgwick. You can find me at Michael Hamflet. Um, check out the podcast feed for Collision Thoughts, coming in a review that will be on the feed, probably as you listen to this one now. Um, you can get us all at What Culture WB. Keep your eyes glued to the socials to YouTube, to everything What Culture for some pretty exciting stuff coming in the next couple of days. We are also, all being well, trying to reach out to bring our much-missed third back to the podcast. That's right, we're hoping Stax, Stax. is going to be able to fly yeah. from Florida within the next few days. So keep your ears out for that as well. Uh, until next time, we will see you soon. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.